I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and Mindy Reiser has betrayed me time after time. I'm Obstinensky, and I've been urinating all day. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 3, Episode 5, The Terrorist Attack, which originally debuted on October 13th, 2002, uh, just a month after the uh, first anniversary of 9-11, and back when the risk of terror was you know, high on everyone's mind. So, of course, Larry David was uh, primed to uh, make fun of it. Yeah, this episode really taps into like the mood of the country at that time. Like stuff like this would happen all the time. I remember yeah. that. Like people would like always be spreading rumors and saying, "I heard from this one, from that one that yeah. this was supposed to happen. This is gonna happen." Um, and people believed it because we were like in such a state of paranoia after what happened on nine eleven. So yeah, well, so when news broke a couple of weeks ago that Larry will be coming back with a season eleven of Curb, I'm sure the first thing everybody thought is, "How is Larry going to address Corona?" and quarantine and everything that's gone on in the last few months. But, you know, much like this episode, I think the challenge will be, it'll, it'll sort of show a moment in time, but when you rewatch the episode years later, it seems almost like crazy how, you know, people are, like people's reactions in this episode seem very, very strange. But at the time, it was a very understandable way to react if you lived in a big city, I think. Yeah, if you didn't live through that, this probably seems like everyone's nuts. Um, yeah. Everyone is nuts, but, yeah. you know, justified nuts. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this episode just also, it reminded me of, there's one of my favorite sitcom jokes is from Sports Night, where Isaac, the like the head of the of the company, like told a secret to one person and then it can spread throughout the office. And like each of the people is like, well, I only told her. And the next person's like, well, I only told her. And then Josh Molina's character says, like, totally deadpan, I told many, many people. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, so let's Josh head Molina in. is the Mindy Riser of Sports That's right. That's right. Okay, so we are uh, at a restaurant, and Larry and Cheryl have plans with the Brodies, who we have not met before, and they are not there yet, so they're, uh, they asked to be seated first. As they walk to the table, uh, we see Paul Reiser and his wife sitting at one of the tables. Uh, they go over, and they you know, exchange some pleasantries. At one point, Larry like, touches Paul's shoulder, and this makes Paul very upset, and he yells, uh, no touching, arrested development style. Uh, but, you know, no big deal. They're just catching up a little bit. Larry tells him that he's investing in a restaurant. Paul's a little bit surprised. But Larry explains, no, 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 this is just for fun. It's not like I'm going to be, like, there at night locking up. Um, of course, my only job is to uh, buy the uniforms and <laughs> arrange the decor and hire yeah. the chef. So yeah. I'm, like, really not involved in the day-to-day <laughs> planning of this restaurant. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, it seems like the exchange goes okay. They head over to their table. And Cheryl is furious with Larry tells him that he's so rude she can't believe that like he didn't even acknowledge Mindy not only did he say hello she he didn't even like make eye contact with her in any way and you know Larry you do things like this all the time and he feels bad because you know she must think I'm an asshole and you know he he laments you know you just can't leave your house which will work out well in the quarantine season when he's not able to leave his house and therefore doesn't get into trouble yeah um 
And then they notice the risers are leaving and, you know, Mindy doesn't even like look over to say goodbye. So clearly she's also, she is upset and Cheryl's right. Don't you say goodbye? Um, so, uh, by the way, I have to say, I appreciate this restaurant. Um, you know, Larry and Cheryl arrived before the Brodies and the maitre d' says, you know, they haven't arrived yet, but you know, I can show you to your table. And it's a huge pet peeve of mine. There are restaurants that when, um, you know, that will refuse to seat anyone until everyone from the party has arrived. Yeah, we had this. That annoys me a lot. A bunch of episodes ago. I don't even remember. Oh, was that on curb? No, sorry, it was on curb. Okay. Um, yeah, and Cheryl tried to get Larry to ask for a table using like the Seinfeld card. Yeah. Because like yeah. the, the Seinfeld was like, Yeah, I think I've seen yeah. one episode. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's also funny that last week I randomly talked on the podcast about how I used to watch Paul Reiser. I'm mad about you. And now here he is on Curb the very next episode. So, oh, did that, was that not the reason we mentioned it? I didn't yeah. remember. No, okay. we mentioned it because, because uh, I don't know, because I was talking about shows I used to watch late at night. Got it. I don't remember oh, the context very anymore. Good. Um, we you got lots of tangents on this someone podcast. you want to see on the next episode and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's also, it is ironic to me that Cheryl criticizes Larry here for not greeting Mrs. Reiser. Because Cheryl will have sort of a very sexist attitude towards the check, where she describes the check as something for which Stu is exclusively responsible rather than something, you know, for either, you know, um, the husband or the wife. Uh, Yeah, that's true. And and that's something that's happened on Curb, right? Where Larry will say thank you to a husband. That happens later. I think we haven't seen that yet, right? Yeah, we haven't seen that. Yeah. So Cheryl, uh, you know, not being very woke uh, when it comes to who's picking up the bill. Yeah, and uh, she makes she makes sure to mention this now before the Brodies get there that yeah. you know we paid the last couple times like make sure that Stu takes the check this time. Yeah. Um, so they arrive. They talk about how they're late because Stu wouldn't valet his fancy new car. Um, they mentioned that they saw the risers, but you know they didn't really have any sort of acknowledgement between the two of them. You know we got the sense that they're kind of on bitter terms for some reason. Um, they mentioned it's know, very weird, that. by the way, because they make repeated references to how much they dislike them, but they never specify why, nor do the Davids ask. Like, that would be a very normal question. Like, oh, why don't you like the risers? You know, but yet it's never well, asked by Cheryl. Well, later they kind of say it's because, like, Mindy has a big mouth. and it's like, Yeah, oh, but that's only after like mentioning them. repeatedly how many times they yeah. dislike them without the Davids ever asking about it. Yeah, so. well, maybe the Davids know. Maybe it's just like they a reminder, surprised. like, oh, I'm guessing you're not inviting them. I know you guys have. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, my question is, what are the Davids like about the, the Brodies? Because I don't see a lot of redeeming qualities there. No, they're not. They're not good people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, you. They, talk, they talk about this event. Of course, um, the risers are not going to be invited to it. And they say that, you know, they're really excited for it. Alanis Morissette is going to perform at it. And Cheryl's like really proud of them for hosting this, you know, big event for the NRDC. I guess it'll raise a lot of money for them. Um, since Alanis Morissette's going to be playing there, they start talking about the song You Ought to Know. Um, how did You Ought to Know do in the 90s bracket? It was, not the, um, it was not the Alanis song that we chose. Oh, was it ironic? Yes. It's which, ironic which of that, course, you, that yes. you didn't choose You Ought to Know. Well, yeah. No, there's nothing ironic about the song Ironic. So Yeah. yeah. Um, and they get into uh, the character in the song of Mr. Duplicity and you know, how no one really knows who it's about. Larry is just, when he hears the term, he assumes it's about him. Um, but yeah, they talk about how it's a big secret. Larry's confident that, you know, at the event, if he wants to find out who the song is about, he'll find out because he's very trustworthy and he's sure that Alanis will tell him if he asks. Yeah, people love to share their secrets with Larry David. Yep. So, um, as they're talking, Stu uh, kind of suddenly excuses himself to run to the bathroom. And as he gets up, the waiter brings over the check and puts it down next to Larry. And Larry's kind of like looking over at, uh, Stu's wife. I don't remember her name. Susan. Is her name Susan? Uh, 
I forget. I know that we have Mindy Riser. I forget uh, Davey Browdy's name. I think it's Susan, yeah. Okay. Um, well, she's played by Amy Aquino, originally from Teaneck, New Jersey. So oh. that's exciting. Uh, she kind of has like a little bit of a Carmela Soprano thing going on. but so. Yeah. Yeah. She's a Jew slash Italian from New Jersey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Larry realizes he doesn't really have any choice but to pay because I guess it doesn't occur to him to sa- ask uh, Steve's wife to, yeah. or just to wait. Like he hasn't like left the restaurant; he's just in the facility. You don't have yeah. like sixty seconds to return the uh, the check usually at a restaurant. Yeah, he could kind of like he can leave it there. Up to go to the bathroom himself and then like subtly move the, the check more yeah. towards or the it's just of the a table. war of attrition. They just leave it there until somebody finally picks it up. Yeah, but Larry's always yeah, Larry- awkward around restaurants. He always pays quickly. He always sort of you know overpays. He doesn't yeah, like the he, check sitting there. He gives in very quickly, but yeah. he, didn't, he didn't have great options. Given that, it's pretty clear this guy is doing this on purpose. So like, he's, yeah. it's not like only a matter of like, oh, well, if I just wait, then this guy will offer as soon as he gets back. Yeah. So we're back at home and Cheryl's very upset at Larry. You know, I specifically told you not to pay and you did. Larry says, don't worry. That's the last time. It's not going to happen again. And he's more focused on Mindy Riser. If he wants to get back into her good graces somehow, he's trying to think of some, maybe there's some big scheme I could come up with. Mm-hmm. Cheryl suggests maybe just be nice to her next time you see her. That could yeah, work. That is a scheme. That's, that's too complicated for Larry. Yeah. Um, so the doorbell rings and it's Wanda and she comes in and she's in a very serious mindset. She tells them to sit down. There's something that's really important that she needs to tell them. And what she says is that her brother's friend works for the CIA. And he got a tip that there's going to be a terrorist attack this weekend in L.A. We don't know where. We don't know what. But it's, it's definitely going to happen. And don't tell anyone. But I'm getting out of town. And I suggest you do the same. Yeah. Now, this is what we need to understand. And this goes back to the reference you just made to Sports Night. So Wanda's brother's best friend has this information. This is information that can only be told to one other person. Although each person's allowed to then tell one other person. Right. So Wanda's brother's best friend tells his best friend, which is Wanda's brother. Okay, that's fine. You tell your best friend. The best friend then tells his sister, which is Wanda. Okay, that's fine. You tell a sibling. Now, Wanda, who we know has a very serious boyfriend because she's about to get engaged in a couple of episodes, right? So she doesn't, so she has family. We're going to meet a bunch of her family members at the, uh, at the engagement cookout. She doesn't tell any of those people. She goes to Cheryl. So Cheryl is presumably Wanda's best friend. Cheryl's her number one. World. Yeah. Incredible. Um, you know, I've discussed this previously on this on this podcast uh, on other episodes featuring Wanda, but I really need to know the history and the derivation of this relationship. Um, and by the way, it's ironic that Cheryl is organizing this huge N- NRDC shindig, and yet she hasn't invited her best friend Wanda. Well, maybe Wanda's anti-environment. I guess so. But then, oh, how yeah, could she, yeah. So yeah, so it's very very curious that Wanda can only tell one person in the world, and the one person she tells is Cheryl. So. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Cheryl thinks, you know, you know, as scary as this sounds, we can't leave because we have that NRDC Alanis Morissette benefit, and it would look really bad if we missed it since, like, you know, we were very involved in organizing it. It would be much better to die. Yeah. Um, Larry says, you know, I understand that you need to stay, but maybe I can go. And Cheryl says, what do you mean? Where would you go? He says, I don't know. Maybe I could go play golf in Pebble Beach just to be safe. Yeah, I mean, here's the other question, though, about, like, all these plans they're making. Like, Wanda's like, yeah, we're getting out of town for the weekend. What kind of attack is it? Because if it's, like, a bomb or something like that, it's going to hit one specific location, and that location is not going to be, like, someone's a residence. It's going to be, you know, like, a downtown, a very centrally located public building. Right. And if, or if it's the kind of thing that could affect such a large area that could also affect residences, like some kind of gas, something, 
Well, then that could be around for a long time. You can't just get around, get out for the weekend. You have to have, you plan to be gone for several weeks or even months. Yeah. And if it's so, like an anthrax attack, that could also like spread to Palm Springs. Yeah. So no one's strategies really seems to be making a lot of sense here. Yeah, but I think that I think that's okay because it's like it's it's not like a rational thing. That's yeah, happening. yeah, it's that's like true. the whole thing is like I heard from someone who heard from someone that they're going to be an attack, and like there's no details at all. Yeah, like it's obviously bullshit. Yeah, but like plan accordingly. Yeah. So it's like you do something that kind of makes you feel safe, even though it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, I do. I do really enjoy though how Cheryl is going to try to guilt Larry into endangering his life at the hands of terrorists, so that Cheryl can organize a benefit. Yeah, and he thinks it's uh. You know, Cheryl is like giving him a guilt trip that like, you know, we should really be together if, you know, something happens. And Larry yeah. thinks this is very selfish that like at least one of them should get to live. And like, yeah. why and should he Larry die? Later say, because... Like, it's till death do us part. Like after death, it's over. That's over. Right. Yeah. Not for all eternity. Yeah. Um, so she says, you know, listen, if you can listen, if you can live with yourself for the rest mm-hmm. of your life, knowing that you let me die alone in a terrorist attack, you know, go ahead. And he says, he'll think about it. Yeah. So uh, later that day or the next day, Larry is driving and he spots Palmetto, the perfume store that Minnie owns, and he stops in to go see her. She's shocked that he's there to see her and not yeah. fall. Yeah. And, and he tells her about the source from Wanda regarding the terrorist attack and, you know, your life is in danger and you need to leave town. Uh, she's like, oh, my God, I need to call my sister. Larry says, no, 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 you can't tell anyone. Um, Mindy says, oh, I'm very worried about my mom in Orange County. Larry says, don't worry, the terrorists aren't going to do anything in Orange County. They don't care about Orange County. Yeah. Now Larry knows everything about these terrorists and where yeah. they're going to strike and when and how. By the way, Paul, um, Paul Reiser's wife in real life is not named Mindy. Her name is Paula. So you have a Paul and Paula situation. Yeah, I always joke, oh, Paula, okay. Paula Rabbit. Uh, I always joke that like, we, have, uh, we have security at our synagogue and they come like from like at nine o'clock when synagogue starts, and like they stay there until like twelve, until like the last person leaves. And I'm like, who, like, who are we worried about? Worry about like this like lackadaisical terrorist who's going to come like at the very end of services? Like he's not coming. Like after ten forty-five, you know, I think we're in the clear. I'm not doing an attack. Oh, really? Because I think that really kiddish is the only time you really do need security because that's when you have the most people sort of congregating in an unstructured way. And I've always yeah. thought sort of the end is sort of the highest risk time. Yeah, it could be. My, uh, maybe my national security credentials aren't uh, as, yeah, as good as I, t- I take it you have not had CSS training. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she said, you know, Mindy says, well, what are you guys doing? Where are you going to go? And Larry says, well, we can't go. She says, oh, right, because of that NRDC event that we weren't invited to at the Brodies. And he says, you know, don't worry. Like, I know it has nothing to do with you. The Brodies are the ones that hate us. And like, good for you guys for risking your life to be able to still have this event. Yeah. Larry says, well, you know, actually Cheryl wanted to leave, but, you know, I told her it was too important and yeah. he really needs to stay. By the way, when, um, when Cheryl and Larry were talking about where Larry could go, Larry's exact quote was, quote, Palm Springs, very nice, 90 minutes, which also sounds like a review of the new Andy Samberg movie on Hulu. Yeah, it is very nice on 90 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she asks, you know, like, why did you tell me of all people? And he says, what do you mean? We're friends. Like, of course I told you, you're your own good friends. Yeah. And she realizes, oh, wow, Larry, I must have misjudged you. You're such a wonderful person. Here, take some free samples of perfume to give to Cheryl. Larry says, what? Nothing for me? Yeah. And she, get, she adds on some shaving products for uh, Larry. Yeah. So we head back home, and uh, Larry gives Cheryl the samples, mentions that he went over to apologize to Mindy the other day. That's why, she got, that's why he got the samples. 
She's very proud of him for apologizing, but she thinks is like a little strong, as if like this is something unusual. He says, yeah. "You know, I feel Which like I apologized." He's right. Him, Larry apologizing to people is like one of the main themes of the series. He's constantly. Yeah, he says, I, "I feel like I apologize to someone every day." Who says I'm yeah. sorry more than me? Yeah. Now he needs to. But, yeah. So all of a sudden, uh, does. Yeah. Yeah. Paul calls. The phone rings with Paul. Larry quickly intercepts the call because he knows that he's probably calling to ask about the terrorist attack. Yeah. And he doesn't want Cheryl to know that he told anyone. Yeah. Which again, um, like, you know, we, his, we, his problems always, it's always the cover up, not the crime. Like if you would have yes. just told Cheryl right away, she wouldn't have been that upset. Yeah. If he was just like, yeah, whatever. I went to apologize and you know, it's, I somehow blurted it out. Like what's she going to do? Yeah. But yeah, he always feels the need to like make a whole like elaborate scheme to cover yeah. up and not a big deal. And that makes it even worse. Yeah. Um, and we could, you know, we could glean for the conversation that, like, based on his answers, that's what they're talking about. But Cheryl obviously has no idea. When they hang up, she's like, what was that all about? And he says, oh, he was just thanking me for, you know, the apology. And she says, well, when, when you said 90%, what was that in reference to? And he says, oh, the, I, he asked me, what are the odds that you're going to snub my wife again at some point in the future? And I said, 90%. Yeah, not a terrible spur-of-the-moment lie. Yeah, it's not terrible, but it, yeah, not not great either. Yeah. Um, and Larry, you know, he's still really nervous. He really he reiterates, you know, I really think we should skip town. But Cheryl says, no, you know, we're committed to this event. We have to go. Um, so we see them head on over to the Brodies for the for the event, and they get there, and nobody's there. Yeah, and now, they, they should have showed up before it starts, since Cheryl's one of the organizers. But um, they seem to yeah, they seem to think. have expected to be showing up mid party. Yeah. I have no explanation. Um, But yeah, so they're, you know, they're like, what the hell? Where's, where's everybody? And turns out nobody came because everybody left town because they heard about this supposed terrorist attack. And it seems like the, uh, the risers, sorry, the the Brodies have uh, done some due diligence and traced back the origin of the rumor to Mindy. And they say, you know, and who told Mindy and Larry, you know, fesses up, although I suspect they already knew. Um, Cheryl's furious. This is exactly what Wanda said not to do. You know, you're not supposed to tell everyone. Now you created a panic. Everyone left town. Uh, the Brodies are angry, A, because you told Mindy, since everyone knows she has a big mouth. Yeah. But they're even more angry that they didn't, that he didn't tell them. Yeah. And why don't you go be friends with the risers instead? Yeah. And this um, is where Larry I, really escalates the conflict. Yeah, I like that they, um, it seems like the Brodies don't realize that they're in their own home. Because instead of like forcing the Davids to leave, they just like storm upstairs and like yeah. leave them in their living room. Yeah. Although this is a common thing at parties because this also happens uh, with the uh, with the HBO executive, with yeah. the daughter. Yeah. Like they storm up the the wife's um, right. Uh, Rita Wilson storms upstairs. Right. Yeah. So yeah. people people um, hate Larry so much that they'd rather run upstairs to their own house than uh, show him the door. Yeah. So Larry uh, Larry pushes back. He says, "Well, at least they pick up the check sometimes." Yeah. He accuses Stu of purposely avoiding paying the check. You think I don't know the bathroom trick? I invented the bathroom trick. Yeah. It was very much when, uh, when George claims that he invented um, it's, it's not, not you, it's me. me. Yeah. If it's anybody, it's him. Yeah, so they head upstairs. Larry and Cheryl are still just standing awkwardly in their living room. There's a waiter there still. Yeah. He's walking around with an hors d'oeuvre platter. Yeah. And Larry takes one. He says it's delicious. He wonders out loud who the chef is, but Cheryl convinces him that's probably not a great idea to go ask the Brodies that, even though he, uh, they could really use a chef. But he asked the, the waiter, and the waiter has no idea, which is a bit surprising, because I feel like the waiter and the chef work together. Um, yeah, you would think. Usually the, the waiter, waiter knows which catering company it is. Or at least yeah. be able to point you in the direction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so we're back at home. You don't gargle much, do you? <laughs> what? Just a great non sequitur by Larry. 
what is it? What, what is that? Sorry. You don't gargle much, do you? Oh, you don't gargle much. I was just like going to the next uh, scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get there. Um, Cheryl's angry at Larry for telling him, for telling Mindy, for, you know, spreading it to everyone. Says, you know what? We're going to have to reschedule the benefit. And this time we're going to have it here. And, you know, we'll make sure to include the Brodies and that should kind of smooth things over. Larry says, no way. We're done with them. We'll have the risers instead for spite. Yeah. That's very very Um, foreshadowing. He notes that Stu always says freak instead of fuck. Which I hadn't noticed in the episode until this point. But, you know, I guess it must have come from somewhere. I don't know. Um, I guess Stu doesn't care about being on HBO. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Larry says to Cheryl, you don't gargle much, do you? It's fun. You should think about it. And Cheryl says, you should think about how much money you just cost the NRDC. Sick burn. But, uh, I'm sure Larry uh, can afford to pay it if necessary. Yeah. Okay, so we are... Uh, at work the next day, Larry comes into the office and everyone's angry at Larry. First the custodian, then the receptionist saying, what the hell, Larry? We heard that you told everyone about this terrorist attack. Um, why didn't you tell us? Like, don't you care about me? Yeah, well, so here's the other question I have. So Chuck, the cleaning man at Larry's office, who, by the way, uh, you, are you familiar with Frog and Toad, the children's series? No. Okay, so they're classic books. Um, I read them to my kids. They like them a lot. Or actually, now they read them to themselves because they're pretty easy words. Um, I had them as a kid growing up also. Anyways, if you Google them, Chuck the Cleaning Man reminds me of Toad very much from Frog and Toad. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, but I'll if, look into that. If Chuck um, slash Toad, the Cleaning Man, has already heard about this terrorist attack, then obviously everybody's heard about the terrorist attack. And like, if it got to that level, there would have been a news story about it. You know, there would have been a news story, at least in the local Los right. Angeles news, about how like there was, you know, right. a, the entire non- city of Los Angeles empty yeah. out. And if everybody's blaming Larry, and by the way, why is everybody blaming Larry and not Wanda? Or like, like, how do they know that Larry, like, okay, so Larry told Mindy, Mindy told everybody. So why is it Larry's fault? Why isn't it Wanda's fault or Wanda's brother's fault or, or Mindy's fault? fault? Like, why is the, the one CIA spot? Operative yeah, like, why is the one spot in the line that everybody decides to pin the blame on Larry Dave? Because it's the show that Larry did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't, it doesn't really add up, like how everyone would have traced it to Larry specifically. Yeah. Um, but if, you know, everyone's a bit angry at Larry, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so she says, okay, fine. By the way, Wanda's here. She's in the bathroom waiting for you. To, uh, you know, when she gets out, she wants to speak to you. <laughs> Larry tries to bolt for the door, but Wanda sees him before he can escape. Yeah. Um, so we're back at Palmetto, the perfume store, and Larry is buying a perfume for Cheryl, hoping that this will get her, get him out of the doghouse with her. Mindy's complaining that while... She appreciates that Larry had good intentions in telling her about the potential attack. The whole thing really ended up just being very inconvenient for them for no good reason because yes. there was no attack. Yeah. And they drove three hours and they had to stay in a Motel 8 and it was just like really annoying. And like, don't worry, Larry, I don't blame you, but I just want to let you know that because of what you told me, like I had a bad weekend. Yeah, and it's like, uh, the birdies are terrible, but I agree with them about how awful Mindy Riser is. Like, she's complaining about the inconvenience of there not having been a massive terrorist attack. Yeah, um, I kind of it kind of resonated with me a little bit. I have a, so I had a story on our honeymoon. My wife and I were flying from Paris to the south of France on our honeymoon. Okay. So it was like this little plane, and it was literally the tenth anniversary of nine eleven. And like we're waiting online to you know get onto the plane, and this like strange woman walks over to my wife and is like, "Hey, um, I bought this like uh, lotion or perfume or something in the gift shop or at some spa or something. I don't even remember." And I'm only taking a carry-on, so they won't let me take it. They said it has to be in a checked bag. Would you be, like, willing to take it for me so that way, like, I don't – otherwise, I'm going to have to, like, throw it out of the airport. 
a person you don't know. This is like literally what you're not supposed to do at airports. Yeah. So my wife's like, fine, I'll take it. And like, I start like screaming at her, like in the airport, like, what the hell are you doing? This is like, this is like the first rule of going on an airplane is you don't take packages from strangers. Yeah. And she's like, no, but like, what are you talking about? She's so nice. Like, this is just like a nice girl. Like, she's not, not going to be a, a terrorist. Um, and yeah, so because like, ter- get- terrorists identify as terrorists when they give you packages. Yeah. Your so wife is it's like that. we get to the front of like the security line, like we're about to get onto the plane. And they ask, like, oh, like, is, you know, did you, you know, like, I don't even remember how it came up, but like, I think they asked, like, they, they were letting That's us know. question. Yeah. Yeah. Did and you I have was, your like, my wife is time. like, my wife is like, no, we're fine. And I'm like, no, she's lying. <laughs> Some stranger gave her a package. And like, he was like furious at me. Like, I ratted her out to like, yeah. Once you're at that, once you're at that point, plane. there's no reason to tell. I mean, my, she, you, she you wait until like, there's an attack. And then at that point, you say it wasn't mine. Well, yeah, exactly right. So, so whatever. So they take it away. They throw it in the garbage. And we get on the plane. We go. We get. Oh, we this is in. like the Seinfeld episode where they asked George, someone on the street asked George to watch his stuff for him. And we get there. And, like, we're looking around. Like, my wife is, like, humiliated. She's like, this woman's going to come over to me. She's going to say where it is. I'm going to have to tell her. You know, my husband made me throw it out. Yeah. And, like, we're looking around for, like, 10, 15 minutes. And we can't find her anywhere. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, was she right? Yeah. Was she a terrorist? And I'm like, that's right. See, I nailed it. Oh, um, and then you're disappointed because you see her. And then I'm disappointed when we actually saw her. And she was just like a nice woman. <laughs> um, but the, the kicker is then she was like, oh, okay, well, you know, thanks for trying. By the way, like, what are you guys up to? Like, oh, well, we're on honeymoon. We're going there. She's like, oh, oh she, my boyfriend's coming to pick me up. Can, would you guys want to ride to your hotel? Oh, and I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. shocked that she's so nice after you just threw her bag in the garbage. Well, we well we we said that um, security confiscated it because they saw her. But what was in this bag? Like, if I'm her, I'd still be pretty frustrated. Um, it was like a lotion or something from a spa. Oh, it ended up being yeah, like a um, uh, much much like the episode of uh, Seinfeld where um, Sally Weaver asked Larry to carry the object. Yeah. yeah so in the end, totally she gives a ride to her hotel. Okay. Uh, Speaking yeah. of hotels, by the way, Mindy Reiser complains that there's that the Four Seasons was booked, so they had to stay in a Super Eight. There can't be only a Four Seasons and a Super Eight in Palm Springs. There has to be something in between those two. Yeah, I guess they must. Yeah, two, there's two hotels in LA. So I don't see why there would be more than two hotels in Palm yeah, Springs. That's, that's a valid point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know, Larry apologizes. He agrees basically that you know it would have been nice if there was even a small attack to justify all the panic that people had. Um, and she asks how the NRDC event went. He says, well, actually, now that you mentioned it, nobody came because of the attack. She's shocked. She claims that she told nobody. Um, Larry kind of is little doing his, uh, you know, detective eye thing at her. But all of a sudden, um, he spots Martin Short outside of the store. And as she's handing him the perfume, she, he leaves it behind and runs outside to say hi to Martin Short. Yeah. Do, by the way, Ob, do you remember Primetime Glick? I don't at all. I looked it up. I didn't even know if it was a real show. No, it was a show. I think it was on Comedy Central. I remember. Yeah, no, it was. I, yeah. I looked it up. And it is. Uh, it, was, it was like it was like a talk show where he played like this big fat guy with the weird voice that they do on this episode here of Curb. I, I yes. definitely remember watching it. I mean, I don't think I watched like it wasn't like an appointment viewing, but I definitely you know was familiar yeah. with it. This is a really weird cameo. They just stand outside. They both imitate this voice that he does on the show for a couple of minutes. It's almost like he's just advertising for a show. Here's the thing. If Martin Short and, and LD are such good buds as they seem to be, why do we never see him again? Yeah, and why did they get him to be on the show for like a more like a real character? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, as they're hanging out, Larry I mean, they would have, yeah, I mean, they would have overlapped. They would have been on SNL at the same time in the 80s, so it definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, he realizes that he forgot about the perfume. He runs back to the store, but now it's closed. 
it seems impossible that like she would have like closed the store without. No, no, she's closing it for spite. She's closing it to screw, like to to express to Larry her anger at him. Which again, yeah, she's like, a crazy person. Noticed. Yeah, I guess well, not. Well, no, she just went and locked the door and put the sign in the door from the inside. Right. And again, I think I think it's door. just she just saying to Larry, "I'm pissed at you because how dare you." temporarily interrupt our conversation to say hello to a friend who's walking by. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. Although Larry, not usually a fan of the stop and chat, which again means he must really like he really Martin Short. Martin. So yeah, yeah. Why, why do we never see him again? Yeah. Uh, I, I like Martin Short also, by the way. He's always good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. So we're back at home and we're getting ready for the benefit. Alanis is there. She's tuning her guitar. Uh, Larry says that our house has great acoustics. She asks how you know that. He says because we occasionally have Friday night services here. I guess yeah. it sounds very nicely. Um, Cheryl and Larry are so excited that she's here. Larry's been urinating all day out of excitement. Yeah. Um, we cut over to Stu. He's in his car dry, uh, talking on his cell phone, which he should get a ticket for. And he uh, gets a call saying that they invited the risers and not them <laughs> to the benefit. He makes a furious U-turn, seemingly headed towards Larry and Cheryl's house. We go back to the party, and Larry asks Alanis if she's going to play You Want to Know at the, at the benefit tonight. She says, sure, if you want. Yeah, and I haven't played that one in a while, she says. Like, as it, and it's almost like a weird request, she thinks, for someone to ask yeah, the like, I mean, second most famous song ever. Probably one of two Alanis Morissette songs, Mar- songs that I could name. Yeah, so very strange reaction by her. Um, he says, you know, oh, I hear there's like a mystery with that song. Who's about it? Who's it about? Maybe you'll tell me. You know, maybe it could be a good opportunity for you to unburden yourself of that yeah. secret. It's much like George with Bosco. Right. And he promises that if you tell me, I won't tell anyone, including Cheryl. Yeah. And Alanis thinks, you know what? Maybe it's not a bad idea. I've been holding on to this secret for so long. I should tell this yeah. random stranger that I just met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And she whispers in his ear who it's about, and he says, interesting. Now, my uh, assumption here was, because it would be so absurd for Alanis to do, as you just said, um, my assumption is that she's just, you know, placating him and just telling him a fake story, and she probably has, like, a default fake she tells people. That could be. Um, I think the, the, the really top theory is that... she really to tell anyone, then it really doesn't make sense to tell Larry Dave. Yeah, I think the top theory is that it's about uh, Dave Coulier from Full House. Who she, who, had she, she, who she had dated. Who she had dated, yeah. Okay. But he says it's not about him. Okay, and she won't say. Which, you know, you would say, because, you, you know, you don't want to be known as Mr. Duplicity. Yeah, I guess. Although, I don't know, maybe dating Alanis is good for his resume? Um, it's very good for his resume, but you could say I dated her, which is public knowledge, but that song that paints someone in a positive light is not me. It's a different one. But, it, but when someone writes a song about you, when, when a very famous yeah. pop singer writes a song about you, no matter how bad you are in the song, it's still a huge flight. It's like I'm so important. I'm so in this person. I'm living in this person's head rent free that they wrote a song. Like, for example, when um, Ariana Grande wrote Thank You Next about Pete Davidson, that's the best thing that could have happened to Pete Davidson ever. Right. So, um, you know, I- I'm not, I'm, I don't see, no, uh, as they say, no news is bad news or whatever. Like, to me, like, a- anytime a pop singer is writing a song about you, and it's the same thing with um, um, Taylor Swift is always writing songs about her boyfriends. Right. It's, it's a credit. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. If any, uh, if any ex-girlfriend of mine wants to write a top 40 song about how terrible I am, I fully support it. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll, you'll even buy the CD. Yeah. Not the CD, yeah. However you buy music these days. Yeah. Um, as they're talking, Larry hears a... Sorry, after she leaves the house, Larry hears a crash. She goes outside and it looks like Stu and Alanis have gotten into a car accident. They're yelling at each other. Larry gets involved. He accuses Stu of trying to sabotage the party. Stu was angry that they weren't invited, and then they continually yell, freak you at each other. Yeah. Um, 
So we're back at the party. Alanis is singing, although people in the crowd don't seem too pleased. And the camera pans back over to her, and she's sitting in a neck brace singing. So that explains why you know her vocals aren't at their best. Yeah, but incredibly heroic performance of her. Yeah, she goes. She gets in an accident. She goes to the hospital, gets fitted yeah. for a neck brace, and comes back in time for the benefit. Yeah. Although it didn't uh, really seem like the neck brace is necessary. I don't know if she's just a, a very litigious person and she wants to maintain the, uh, you know, the opportunity to, uh, to sue the Brodies because he has a nice car, so I guess she thinks he must have deep pockets. Yeah. Um, Although she doesn't know how parsimonious he is. Larry, uh, he tries to make eye contact with Mindy a couple of times, but she's having none of it. She keeps snubbing him. Um, he theorizes it's because he ditched her for Martin Short. Yeah, which actually um, does make more sense. In my memory of having watched this episode the first time or the years ago, my memory is that the reason Mindy was mad at Larry here is because, oh, fine, you invited us to a personal concert of Alanis Morissette, but it's not even a good Alanis Morissette concert, which would be the most insane thing in the world. Now, it's not only that, or it's not pr- primarily that. It, it is for the Martin Short thing, which, which is better. Because in my head, I was like, that was another reason I hated Mindy. I, I thought that she was mad at Larry for Alanis Morissette not being at her peak level of performance. Yeah, no, no, yeah, she's yeah. mad. Yeah, okay. But either way, by the way, Mindy's really the worst. Again, Larry went to say hello to a friend. This is not a great crime. <laughs> Mindy's the worst. Yeah. Um, a lot of stars play. Which raises the question why is Larry so desperate to get back in her good graces? Um, yeah, he's usually okay with people not liking him. For some reason, yeah. he's taking this one very personally. Yeah. How can anybody like him? He's not a wonderful boy. <laughs> yeah. um, so during the song, Larry walks over and he tells her, I know who the song's about and whispers it in, his, in her ear, and she seems very excited by the revelation, and the episode comes to an end. So we never find out. Yeah, so, well, I guess if, if Alanis Morissette doesn't want people to know, she's not going to reveal it on an episode of Curve. Yeah, this is like the move. All right, uh, uh, what's your take on this episode? I'll tell you, I thought this episode was very meh. I will say it was pretty, pretty good. I only give it one and a half uh, pretties. To me, it is the third worst episode that we've seen so far. Interesting. I'm a little bit higher uh, just because I really love the whole like terrorist plot and the way it spreads and everyone's paranoid You're pro-terrorism. About it. Got it. Okay. Pro-terrorism, yeah. Um, so I will give it pretty, pretty, pretty good three out of five. So that's uh, the third episode in a row to be uh, sort of right smack in the uh, meaty part yeah. of the curve. To me, I'm actually looking at the next, the next couple of episodes. Things are going to improve quite a lot. Uh, we also have guests, I think, on two of the next three episodes. So. Oh, I know one of them. I don't know the other. Right. I'll be offline. Yeah, I'll tell you offline. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, who is your come with guy? This was a tough one. I don't think there was an obvious choice, no, um, but I'm going to go with Alanis Morissette. It has uh, to be Alanis. First yeah. of all, she agrees to do a free benefit concert. Then she agrees to do a second free benefit concert. Then she injures her neck and she shows up anyways. I mean, she's a hero. Yeah, and she tells Larry the secret about you ought to know just because he asked. So I guess maybe nobody even asked her before. They just like assumed. It's like she's like the girl who doesn't have a date for the prom because everyone assumes that you know she must yeah. be going with like the I captain so. of the football team or something. I guess so, yeah. So I'm a big fan of Alanis Morissette here, and uh, she is definitely the, the come-with gal. For the worst person, I think, uh, I think we've uh, foreshadowed this quite a bit over the course of the episode. Um, although there are, you know, there are several candidates, but I think Mindy is the clear worst person. Yeah, so I was really torn between Mindy, Riser, and Stu Brody. And in yeah. my notes, I said they both deserve it, so I'm going to give it to whoever Av doesn't give it to. 
Oh, okay. So if you're going to yeah. give it to Mindy, I'm going to give it to Stu Brody because yeah. he's also so, very terrible. Those are the two obvious. Yeah, ones. I mean, he, yeah. ra- he rams into <laughs> Alanis Morissette's car. He's his, cheap. His, he doesn't the pay The bathroom trick is ridiculous. Yeah, especially I mean, when you're like seemingly you a very wealthy person who's buying new cars. You never pay because you just don't want to? Yeah. So we have two, uh, two, terrible, uh, two terrible Jews. They're very bad people. <laughs> I just, um, just right before uh, we were doing this podcast, I was rewatching Larry David's um, SNL opening uh, monologue from a couple of years ago where yeah. he talks all about, uh, you know, hitting on girls in concentration camps. Yes. <laughs> so I have in, in my head at the moment uh, uh, Jews uh, misbehaving. So yeah, we have uh, two of the worst Jews on this episode today. Two very bad Jews. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have a couple of uh, actors in this, uh, like uh, celebrities in this episode. We have Alanis yeah, Morissette playing herself. We have Marty Short playing himself. But n- neither one is going to be our, our, our most famous person to play themselves on, on Curb. Um, or definitely not Marty Short. I, Alanis Morissette is probably pretty high up there. But I wouldn't say she necessarily is going to be number one, but I would think she'd be near the top. She's not more famous than Ted Danson. Right, for sure. That's true. She's not more famous than probably Julia Louis-Dreyfus, although possibly at the time she was, because at the time Julia Louis-Dreyfus was just famous from one show. So maybe you can make an argument there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, although, although I would she's, say... She's definitely if, not more famous than Shaq. Yeah. Right? Sure. So, um, And even if she was as famous as these people, she's not necessarily someone that you would recognize. Like, I would... If you had, if she had just been on the show without saying who it was, I would have no idea who she is. Like, if she had just played another character, you're saying? Like, I wouldn't recognize her based on appearance like i would i know her as a singer yeah and i would know i'm familiar with a couple of her songs but you yeah. know, i don't know what she looks like necessarily. yeah so she's yeah so she's definitely uh you know sort of in the in yeah. the meaty part of the curve and again for people paul riser uh, also i think is not quite on that level yeah paul riser you know very very big for mad about you but as a stand-up comedian i think he's before our time right no, i didn't even know he was a stand-up comedian okay yeah. Well, I mean, the, the way that the, yeah, the way that you got a, a sitcom on NBC in the '90s was you were a good yeah. stand-up in the '80s. So, yeah. All right. Um, so, should we go to our mailbag then? We should. Postman, postman, come here. Tell the neighborhood. Um, first email is from Zach Brooks. He says the bathroom trick is genius. If we ever start socializing again, I'm definitely going to try it. So Zach Brooks looking to become the worst person of future episodes of his own life. <laughs> um, he says he loves the setup and the payoff wasn't as good as it could be. Four pretties. Yeah. I think we get some great inflation from Zach. Because he, he's like, he's like, this wasn't that good. Four. <laughs> yeah. Zach, what are you going to do when you get to like iconic episodes? You give him like yeah. 12. You have, to leave, you have to leave some space to go up. Yeah. Um, and our last email, as always, from Olin Allen. He says, in relation to last week's wonderful idea of a Lisa Kudrow spinoff pod, I would have to be head of the queue. Having been such a big fan when preparing an essay for my Irish language national freshman equivalent exam, I prepared one on the great actress herself in case I could work in an essay about a celebrity person I admire. I probably should have mentioned on the Chet shirt episode that for our mock version of the SATs on my English paper, I did get a full 50 mark for an unprepared essay about Wizard of Oz starlet Judy Garland, made me far too cocky for the actual real exam admittedly. As for the terrorist attack, well, the day before lockdown started in Ireland on March 11th, I did get to see Martin Short along with Steve Martin performing in Dublin with all concert events canceled from the morning after. Oh, so just under oh, the wire. Awesome. Yeah, really snuck that one in. As for my review, I really Did you watch that, by the way, their Netflix special together? No, I did not. Oh, it was very good. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I can check it out. Uh, maybe not very. It was, yeah. it was good. Let's say Let's good. say good. Yeah. 
As for my review, I really love this episode and my favorite of season three so far. Oh, wow. Lisa's mad about you co-star Paul Reiser. Always finds him a very affable presence. I like the story about the bathroom visit to avoid the bill. However, the main highlight was what thrilled me in relation to the terrorist plot. Again, it wasn't necessarily the classic loud, angry arguments that were my highlights, though they were great, but the quieter, thoughtful moments, especially the exchange between Larry and Cheryl. As Larry tried to escape out of the city as she attends her benefit concert, had to pause, I was laughing so much. Oh, wow. For the villain of the week, he goes to Stu. Bill dodging is awful, should be sympathetic about the terrorist attack situation, but can't be with his attitude. For the come with gal, he goes with Wanda for sharing the info and happy to have Larry included in it. And he gives it also, like Zach, a four out of five. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Okay, so the listeners um, quite disagree with me here. I have it as the worst episode of season three. Olin has it as the best. I don't remember, did Olin not like Club Soda and Salt? Because to me, that's just a fantastic episode. Um, I don't know, but yeah, we're not always on the same page with Olin. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. he doesn't respect the formidable sausage the way that I do. <laughs> All right, so next week, uh, is that the end of Owen's email? That is the end of Owen's email. All right, so next week, we will be introduced to Larry's mother, although uh, not on screen because, unfortunately, she, uh, she passes away. Larry is also uh, has a job as an actor in a Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah. And, which is a surprising um, film for Larry to be in, I think. Like Larry in a Woody Allen movie, which he will later do in real life, makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah, uh, given the Larry, way Curb works in general, it's strange that like they felt the need to like set up his mother's death, like teasing. Like this is like the second time they brought up the mother. Yeah, like you could just have killed her off the next episode without mentioning her before. Like it would be fine. Like you do much worse things than that. Yeah, like no, we have to keep teasing that Larry has a mother. Yeah, and uh, we will learn secrets about his parents on the next episode as well, and the consequences of those secrets for their Jewish faith, which uh, is a hint at the uh, episode title. And also, Richard will be back in next episode. He will share a mantra to uh, Larry while he's in mourning. Excellent. So, yeah, we have a lot going on in, in next week's episode. And then each of the following two weeks, uh, I have a guest lined up. And then oh, so after, it's not next week, so we don't have Martin Scorsese coming on. Uh, well, we may, yeah, we may have Martin Scorsese. Uh, we, we have to reach out to Shaq and see if he has a, a Martin Scorsese. Maybe he, knows, maybe he knows Marty. Yeah, maybe Sha- Marty Stewart knows Marty Scorsese. Yeah, all the Martys, obviously. You know, when they when they had the uh, King of the Martys after party, they probably were chatting there a lot. Yeah, they all hung out afterwards. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I'm very excited for the second half of the season because, yeah, we have a couple episodes with uh, with guests. We have one of my, my all-time favorite episodes. And then I'm just looking ahead. The season finale here is one of the highest-rated episodes ever. On many lists, it is uh, not only the number one episode of all time, but others have it number two, number three. So uh, people are very excited. should be very excited for the second half of season three. Yeah, so we, we recorded at a different time of day today and it, it puts i think av and i in a little bit of a different mood so hopefully listeners can let us know whether they prefer the other podcast or whether they think that this one also was pretty, 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 pretty.